Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Research and development. Putting in the man hours to study the science of what you need. Last week, we put liquid paper on a bee. And it died. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup! Can I tell you something without you getting angry? I love you. Yeah, you big guy. Welcome back in, everybody, to another edition of the 40HS Dynasty Football Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for hitting the play button. We appreciate you. I don't know if anybody ever tells you that, but we do. You're what makes this go. Without further ado, though, let me introduce the guy that you came to see because nobody likes listening to me. It's my good buddy, the better half of the 4D Chess Podcast. Adam, how are we doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing very well. Do not sell yourself short. The star of the show, the McNutted, is trying to tell me that it's only me. That's not true. Dynasty Degenerates, thank you for coming back for another episode. I'm excited, man. We're, um, we're into the point of the season now, Mike, right? The buys are here. Week six is coming up. A lot of strategy, I think, at this point, depending on what you're doing, and this is why we talked so much at length all calendar year, what are you doing with your team and what is your direction? Because now more than ever, I think the strategy on what you're doing with your team and does your roster support that really, at this point, it becomes a focal point on what you're going to do moving forward and how you proceed and what your strategy is. So. I think moving forward here, Mike, this is going to be a fun episode to discuss in Dynasty Degenerates. Thanks for tuning in again, because this is going to be one, I think, that really helps you shape what you should do with these teams you're unsure of. Perfect, man. I'm ready to do a contender episode. And one of the things you can do to help yourself, we'll start it off, man, is catch everything Destination Debbie's doing. All the podcasts, Ike, Gene, Off the Line. Eric Scott on Saturday is coming out with America's Game, one of my new favorite podcasts to listen to. The newest podcast that we have here on Mondays, Scott Destination Dynasty, which is why you're the star of the show, man. I heard the intro. I recognize that voice. You can't miss Barry White. You cannot miss Barry White. Oh, and then man. everything that we do, it, it seems like the newsletter gets better and better and better. It is incredible the amount of information that's in there. And I know you absolutely love 
writing the article, right? You love writing the Beyond the Mic se- section for uh, 4D Chess. It's always good every single week. It's phenomenal. Um, not going to lie, I usually read it on the shitter. <laughs> it's it's usually there, on it, Friday at work. For 4D, the is there another place to read it? I mean, that's the reality. No, I stay on brand, man. I don't compromise the brand whatsoever. <laughs> but everything Destination Debbie is doing, Jeff Mueller's podcast on injuries has been so helpful. Hell, now it's coming out like Saturday nights, which is incredible. Sunday is usually a hectic as fuck for me. I don't know about everybody else, but I'm trying to do lineups. We got all the content to do. We got our patron show and then the start sit show. If you're not aware and you listen to us, you want some help with your lineups. Me, Adam, this last week I had to work. So Adam took over the reins of the show, but you got the guy on Ray G to do start sit. Uh, Ike and Gene have been on, Brandon has come on, and Eric is now a mainstay. Like He's the, the third leg of the tripod at this yeah, point we, before starts it. Like we he's might need a to, must-have. I think we need to just put Eric in the intro as well. He's he's literally yeah. just part of the show. I'm with you. Yeah, It's not just Mike and Adam anymore. It's Eric needs to be in there. It's Eric's the third leg of the tripod. I'm <laughs> um, with you, man. I, it just I assume he's going to be on every week at this, For sure. at this point. And I want him on every week because his humor that he brings is phenomenal. He's a great, a great addition to the start sit show, the 40 chess brand. However, whatever we built, Eric, Eric's there in spirit with us everywhere that we go. Literally, man, Eric is like, like I love the human being of Eric, you know, just the sarcasm. Um, also how, how much he takes the game seriously and gives good, good feedback to people that are asking legitimate questions on start. So he's the perfect blend. I'd love Eric. And uh, to, to your point, Mike, about how, how much this team's doing and, and the newsletter in general, right? Mike, I read this every week. It gets better. And you know me, I, I'm always trying to just put so much information and strategy, kind of like this podcast to help people. Um, myself and Eric, speaking of Eric, kind of were told, you know, Hey, listen, like this is so good that maybe I don't want it this much on the freemium because last week we really gave it to you and and that's really more of the point if you're not subscribed to the newsletter like we have all the content creators on there giving you actionable advice in an article that you can read in a short amount of time that you can actually apply to your leagues me myself i i feel like at this point i between content i put out and content consumed like I, I have a lot of knowledge and every week that helps me the newsletter. So I'm telling you, if you are not subscribed to the newsletter, not even for us, do it for yourselves. I promise you that shit is real. It's really good information, but, uh, yeah, ch- check out everybody's podcast. Scott and Eric, Scott has his own Gene and Ike off the line. Uh, the entire content creation that destination Debbie has and shout out to Ray and Jay rich, obviously the people running the whole thing. This is a well-oiled machine that's only getting better. So um, make sure you're tapped into everybody here. But Mike, Mike, without further ado, let's let's get into the 4D chess trait or the 4D chess dynasty podcast, man. Adam, I got to take a victory lap here just a little bit, right? I took uh, I took so much grief and heat months and months ago, right? Do you remember some of the best ball trades that I made, and I I made public for a damn reason. We did a podcast back on it. I believe it was called Best Ball Body Bag. Um, so this is months ago. If you want to go back and look that up, great. It was a great one that we did. But we really started diving into consistency and spike weeks as far as best ball goes. 
in one of the leagues that I had, um, I wanted to make a contender push and make some of these dirty, disgusting deals to prove a damn point, right? And I wanted this to kind of be the trial league. Well, we got five weeks of data now. So I wanted to revisit it, do a little bit of victory lapping. I don't get to do it too often. <laughs> some of the things that uh some of the things that we predicted, right? <clears throat> K Makers, Antonio Gibson not working out the greatest for us, but these wah, wah, best ball wah. trades, these best ball trades have paid off. So if you remember, Adam, uh, I sent away a one Kyle Pitts, the unicorn, <laughs> at the time. And I received Zach Ertz, Brandon Cooks, and Josh Jacobs back. And uh the unicorn's who... kind of looking more like a horse at this point. The, the, <laughs> the, the thing in the center of the nose is gone. Um, yeah. It looks like, you know, Arthur Smith cut the tail off. Uh, it's not looking good for <laughs> Kyle Pitts, you know? It's not looking great. So on the year, he's got one consistent week, week three, right? When we're like, fuck, we knew it. He's back. And then disappeared again. <laughs> disappeared again. Obviously nothing, nothing really of consequence in week four and then didn't play last week due to injury. Um, Zach Ertz, two consistent weeks already, right there, boom, <laughs> won the trade, won the trade as far as a contender goes. So Zach Ertz has a consistent week in week two and week four. Uh, Brandon Cooks, always disrespected. Uh, he had a consistent week in week one and week four. And then Josh Jacobs, you know the last three weeks, Josh Jacobs has turned it the fuck up and playing really well. So week three, four, and five, nailed the consistent, consistent week. So... Uh, back on that podcast, you know, I gave the little stat like how many how many weeks would I've gotten a start out of somebody versus just one share of Kyle Pitts. Uh, that's plus four, right? So, just the way the weeks worked out, uh, four weeks out of five, uh, I got uh, or yeah, four weeks out of five, I got more than what I would have had if I just had one Kyle Pitts share. And actually, one of those weeks, I would have had all three of those dudes: Ertz, Cooks, and James in your lineup, would've... right? Would have which, entered my lineup. Which even the way we talk about that there doesn't account for the plethora all making the lineup versus just one guy making the lineup. So um, right. the, the, the other thing too, uh, Mike, if you remember one of those podcasts, we talked about Brandon Cooks uh, being consistently consistent. Yes, and, <laughs> consistently and lo- consistent. And look at this, right? Davis Mills, all the people that you know were hopeful for Davis Mills being a long-term quarterback are not feeling that way today at this point i mean i'm not saying he's horrible but yeah. him being the fra- him being the face of the the texans is starting to look bleak and yeah. what what's brandon cooks doing being Still consistently busy. consistent you know so he is you, you i'm sure you I, I can't remember the exact how, what the responses were in tweets bag i'm sure you got crushed on twitter but uh you know scott was on with, with me uh when you were out on sunday and we talked about how you got flamed for those, but if you're flaming you on those trades, you, you just don't play best ball or understand the nuances behind it because the the whole reason you put those out is what? To show how exploitable the lineup mindset is in a best ball league and how now you have actual data to prove. how Not only, I mean, let's say this, Mike. Let, let's say Kyle Pitts was what people hoped on the contending side. Yes. So, so if that's fair, I just wanted to say this, and you, you have the spreadsheet up so you could do it. We're five weeks in. Let's say he does. He's not hurt, and he's actually playing pretty well. Let's say he has three consistent weeks and a spike week. What do the numbers look like now? If you were to put three consistent weeks in there, right, mm-hmm. and a spike week, 
he's still not out producing the package. That that because, that's because the Josh point. Jacobs is spiking on his own accord. Right? Well, well and, and I think that's the point is that trade was when we believe Kyle Pitts on the contending side still could be a top five tight end. Correct. Right. So the numbers you're you're hearing are obviously oh well Kyle Pitts isn't doing anything if you're listening to this at home thinking. No, Kyle Pitts stinks this year, but it's still a bad dynasty trade. Even if Kyle Pitts was this tight end ascension with Mariota and he was outliving all that, it's still a better trade for Mike on the other end in best ball. The only case I'd give you that I could lose it is if you replace Kyle Pitts with Travis Kelsey. Yeah, but... And and even then. But even then, though, Mike, you're talking about three different spots in your lineup versus one. So Travis Kelsey would have had four spike weeks right he doesn't actually hit a consistent week because he either spikes or he misses it entirely so well that talks that speaks mostly to the tight end landscape too right yes how bad it is yeah yeah travis kelsey is also phenomenal but even then if you still pull it up the package is still out producing as far as best ball is concerned which is crazy to think about but that goes to the point even further right yes so travis kelsey Four touchdowns last night, playing really well. Tyreek Hill being gone, uh, he he looks like as long as he stays healthy, is going to be a absolute league winner. And in Dynasty, right, he's one of these guys that Travis Kelsey, we, we talked about this before, the production he gives you in your lineup because of his age, he, he's at the point where he's never going to be worth in Dynasty, like Dynasty value and picks, what yeah. he is for production. And that that happens for certain players. Like the 2017 running back class, right, Mike? All these guys, the ones that are actually hitting, right? They're worth more in your lineup than they are probably in the dynasty market as far as trade value in in future picks. But at that point, on a contender, you ride those guys out. Well, we just made a trade in the uh, best ball league, speaking of Travis Kelsey, right? The one that we co-managed together, Bomb Squad 2. Uh, we're in a rebuild, productive struggle, whatever you want to call it. Um, and there's some, some, there's some really strong contenders in that league. Like I'm watching every week. It seems well, like three that, dudes going over 300 points. Like they're balling out. That that, that league has Kelsey. multiple teams that have 25 all the way through 25 picks moved in too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we traded away Travis Kelsey, um, who we got in the auction for dirt cheap. Right, and we've been holding on to him for this long, and our return was Devonte Smith in a twenty-five second. Right, the kind of Travis Kelsey's phenomenal by far and away the tight end one, and still like that's kind of the best we could get. Now it's also the league landscape, the dynamics. Um, some of these contenders, honestly, like uh, you know Jay Rich is in that league. Uh, Evan, a uh, guy from he- Heisman, Eplo, he's in that league. Uh, Eric. Uh, Gene, um, I want to raise raise boys. Ken is in that league. Some of these teams, man, they don't have anything to offer. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Like I'm looking at some of these contenders. Like Evan, if I looked at his squad, now he's built a fantastic win now squad. But he'd also be the first to admit that he has absolutely nothing on his team that I want, <laughs> that we would want. It'd be like, dude, I don't want any of this back. <laughs> these are all antithetical to what we're building over here. Our rebuild. Right. They're old. They're gross. Their, their, their values are going down after this year, more than likely. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of value ascension players. Draft capital's already pushed in. So, like, you kind of got to take it where you can get it, right? And and Ken, the guy we ended up trading to, 
I'm like, well, he's got a young receiver that you and I both like who may still be ascending. And he's got some sort of draft capital, even though it's a 25 second that who knows what his team looks like in 2025. But at this point, shit, let's go ahead and take it. Right. Let's go ahead yeah. and move it. I mean, that's one of those where you're probably listening to this saying, well, you, you just moved him at the wrong time. Like now he's <laughs> worth more. And, and I mean, of course, he's coming off the back of a four touchdown game. But I think to Mike's point, and, and this is something, Mike, at least at some point in this episode, we're going to get into the market is fine, right? And the market is yeah. very important, right? Because knowledge is power. The whole the whole podcast ultimately is talking about giving you all this information so that you're able to do what? Take it and make it apply to your league. And I think that's something that I, at least on this episode and some of the future ones, want to kind of talk about how market is market, right? The market is a by and large pulse on the dynasty community. Now, a lot of that information comes a lot of times from people that are very tapped in and want to know everything right now, right? But you may not be playing in a league with the OG Bomb Squad or, or, or this Bomb Squad too, right? You might not be playing with all these guys that either create content or so damn tapped in in Dynasty that that's literally what they talk about and think about all fucking day, right? Yes. So that market, if you are not in a league like that, it may not be the same. So the point is, yes, probably by and large, Travis Kelsey, even in a best ball, should net you more than Devontae Smith in a second. Obviously today, that's the case. But here's the problem. In this league, even if you went to today, Mike, you just walked us through why, even if he blows up more, like we're selling him today, you, you, the options for us to net more than that, could it happen? Yes. But at what degree? Because the pieces are already, and this is why we talk about sometimes being first to the punch. In that league, because of the way it was an auction and the way it was fe- was finished, you had at least a third, actually, of the teams that had made so big a commitments on the future that they're guaranteed to contend. Like, they, they, they now have no future, so why would they not try to get crusty every time it's forced to be that way? And then Correct. you had teams that they fucked up the auction so bad, or they planned it this way, where... I'm just going to rebuild. People are trading 25 first. Well, fuck it. I'm rebuilding. So now, so now you have, you have right. At least four or five of the teams that want to pick the direction and two control a lot of these assets that if you want to pivot from contender to rebuilder or vice versa, or you're just stuck in the middle and don't have a direction, you can't, those assets are spoken for. So it's not always as simple as just Travis Kelsey should go more than Devontae Smith in a second. Yes. Yes, he should. And yes, that's not a trade that on value surface makes the most sense for us, even in best ball. But I think that's something that we have to make sure we're discussing. And I think that's one of the things, like, I'm so excited as we grow more as a group and talk more as Dynasty. Like, I listen to Scott and Eric's podcast, or just Scott's podcast, and it's like, it makes you think about stuff. And and then I want to make sure I'm illustrating stuff like this, where it's not just as simple as, this is what the Dynasty values are, and this is what we're going to get in a trade. So... This is also one of those leagues I think both you and I can look at and be objective about and go like, we neither one of us feel good about this team. We right? ain't, and I we, don't know if it's the, we ain't it. I I don't know if it's the uh, the co owner dynamic, but we made a lot of mistakes. Um, yeah, you know, even we fucked this we fucked this thing up bad. Uh, we, we started off in the auction, 
You remember the uh, the misclick on Najee Harris? Just oh shit! I didn't mean to bid that much. The Najee Harris <laughs> one was bad because we it was one of those crucial mistakes we both know we can't do, yep. and we did it by a misclick, and then that. I think, Mike, that kind of really set us back, but it wasn't like the end-all, be-all, right? It was going to put us in a position we didn't have the hammer at the end. Correct. But then we, we had another misclick at some point, which then it was like, all right, you can't in an auction league misplace funds at this rate and still make Correct. it okay. Then we made a bad trade with Ray. <laughs> we, we traded for Isaiah Spiller so th- th- this trade traded away Drake London and, and Rashad, Rashad White. White. So Ray has the Good two Lord. Ray has the two assets that are better than Isaiah Spiller and Isaiah Spiller is trending to no man's land in dynasty quickly. <laughs> oh, no. Um one this is a perfect example. Like all right, l- l- let's just talk about the dynamics of this, right? So this is why lineup and best ball differ so much. Let's even say Isaiah Spiller was a guy that went in round 2 and NFL teams loved and is a good running back. For sure. That bet already had thin margin for winning. Like, it, like it could do it. It could do it, right? Yes. But it was a thin margin winning bet, right? Like, this is something we've still learned. That was that was done very early in the season, like spring, winter. Um, and obviously today, this is why in, in best ball, that's such a bad trade because if you take the one asset and it ends up busting for two of your assets, like, that is something that can – monumentally fuck you in best ball right because in lineup like if you consolidate two guys to one and that one guy busts you're starting nine guys you probably have enough dynasty value on your team to figure out a Mm -hmm. good start nine team in best ball (laughs) you cannot burn two youthful good assets in drake london and rashad white for a youthful asset that busts and that that ray got us man and uh shout out to ray gq because I know you've dunked on him about winning the the original OG Bomb Squad League, but he got both of us there, buddy. Dude, this one, this one takes a cake. <laughs> this one, I don't care how much money I win from him in the original Bomb Squad. This one's gonna haunt me for a while. Yeah, that so, one uh, is not yikes. not pretty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, Brandon Brandon won him in the auction for seventy one dollars, and this is back in February. So we. We must have done this auction like the minute Sleeper put rookies in the system. <laughs> like, hey, we're good. <laughs> the rookies are in. Let's go. Yeah, it was. 71 it was, bucks. Yeah, it was. I remember it was early in the year. Yep. And then uh, him and Ray made a trade. That's how he wound up on uh, Ray's team. This is like the day after the auction, you know, because this league went wild with trading. Again, another mistake that we made. Uh, this league went haywire in trading right after the auction. And you and I, you talked about being first to the party. I didn't think I needed to be first to the party on February 14th, Valentine's Day. But uh, we're, we're sitting around with our thumbs in our ass. And pretty soon, like, all the good draft picks are spoken for. 23, 24. We're down to, like, 25 <laughs> is the only thing that's left. JB and Brandon got them all. And we're going, shit. <laughs> shit, like, we, we built a productive struggle team. We have some older assets like Kirk Cousins and like Travis Kelsey, right? We were thinking like, well, hey, we got them at a discount. We can sell them. You well, know, but, somebody's going to buy them. But, but here's the thing, Mike, right? We, we, built, we built the team on values in auction yes. early, which at that point, you're not picking a direction in auction, right? You're, you're just going for values, and then you'll figure it out. But, but what happens is if you do that and then you have – 
Like Najee Harris went for uh, on our misclick almost twenty percent of our budget. It's one hundred ninety nine dollars, Mike, and that's out of a thousand dollars. So it's like that really hurts, right? Because we both know we don't do that, but that happened because of a misclick. So then it's like, all right, we're already now hamstrung as far as what to do, and we haven't picked a direction for our team because that's not what you do that early in the auction, right? And that's why we talk about how if we're in an auction, it's a crucial mistake early to take a Najee Harris for way over the the you know value of percentage of your budget because yeah. now you don't have the hammer now you don't have enough to fill out a best ball team and you're stuck and, and so then when we did it again i forget who it was a wide receiver um we, we we had no hammer at the end we we all of our edges that we know in auction were gone and then on top of not having a great drafted auction team everybody's making trades with each other boom 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 three days in we're like, holy shit! Um, <laughs> yeah. the, the direction piece is already kind of like We're picked over, <laughs> so we know this probably doesn't have enough to contend. But rebuilding, we have to be uh, creative, and that whole thing was uh, the the Bob Ross discussion in chat of some of these guys that have twenty five picks f- pushed in. But point is, get to the punch first, but. It, it, to, we're talking about these best ball trades, Mike. That's an L, right? That's a perfect example of an L for us. For us, yeah. That, that league was interesting, too, because we also made the mistake in the auction. Um, we kind of talked about it, not for this league specifically, but we kind of dove into a little bit of auction strategy on an episode where each one's kind of different. Right? If you remember the, uh, the, the original Bomb Squad, the reason I did so well in that league, Adam, is because I just sat back and I let everybody else spend their money, right? Um, this one, people kind of learned from that strategy or had their own. It seemed like everybody did, and we partaked in it. Like we, we both were like, ah, we just keep sitting back. And then pretty soon you look up and you think, like, okay, it's time to you know drop the hammer on everybody. And you look over, three or four teams have the hammer, so you're not getting the discounts that you thought you were going to get in the first place. And you're like, shit, I wish I would have bid on Justin Herbert if I knew he was going to be that cheap. Damn, damn. But I'm trying to out outsmart myself. So back on track. That was one of the trades. And we were kind of talking about, uh, you were talking about league market, league dynamics. One of the reasons that trade at the time I got dunked on so hard too is because I tried to purposely make it a trade from a value standpoint that would get smash accepted, right? At the time, I mean, it's Kyle Pitts, man. It's Kyle Pitts. And I'm talking about Zach Ertz, Brandon Cooks, and Josh Jacobs. All guys going down in value on the older side, not sexy, Nobody really seems to give too many shits about, right? Disrespected in one way or the other. You know, last year I'm I'm out here dunking on Josh Jacobs. We're giving that guy, Sean 12, all kinds of shit when he took him in the fifth round. Like, how could you do it? It's Josh Jacobs. You know, this is the the progress in our best ball strategy, our best ball mindset, and where we're trying to find the edges is I wanted to make a trade so gross that I knew the minute I sent it, the guy was going to be like, holy shit, can you believe this? Like he's showing it to his buddies going like, this guy's a dummy. Boom, hit accept. The wild thing, Adam, is at the time, I could have done better pretty easily, right? I could have got a couple better players. I could have got a couple better value plays. You could have at least been- you could have at least shot north on one of them, right? So like yes. you could have still gotten, let's say, Brandon Cooks and Jacobs, but the third piece maybe was... Instead of Zach Ertz, I, maybe a Dallas Goddard type. Right, a Goddard or a, hell, probably not Hawk, but, uh, 
I mean, yeah. but, but the other thing, too, is if you would have done that, you, you could have landed a Dawson Knox and hated it or a Dalton Schultz and hated it, right? Because that yes. would have killed it. So, Well, let's not forget I did two back-to-back, so let's get to the other one, yep. which I also got dunked on just as hard. Okay. It was Jonathan Taylor for Antonio Gibson, Darno Mooney, and Jacoby Myers. Yuck. The, the Dynasty RB1. Right, so where we're at through five weeks, we know JT has uh, not been great, and then now hurt. Yeah, since week uh, one, it J- hasn't been JT at all. Jonathan Taylor got you one consistent week so far this year out of five. Week one, that was a spike was week it. too, right? That was a spike week as well. Yeah, Antonio Gibson, um, week one and two, consistent week. So good for him. Uh, nothing lately. <laughs> yeah, those R. might R. not come too much the way Ron is using them now, but uh, uh, Darno Mooney, part of the bears offense actually has you one consistent week, week four based on that big catch. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And uh, Jacoby Myers week two and week five consistent week for Jacoby Myers. I think he's one of so, those best ball darlings where he's just someone people sleep on and best ball is perfect guy for consistent weeks. So the total is actually over JT. I actually got three extra weeks out of the package where at least one of these guys was giving me a consistent week and one week I had two of them enter the lineup at the same time. So again, another trade, super fucking gross, but again, same principle Uh, at the time, Antonio Gibson, no one likes him. Um, Probably no one likes him now. Uh, Darno Mooney, he had some hype, right? We did a nice Darno Mooney video on him and cursed him forever. Uh, Our bad Darno. (laughs) It seemed like everybody we did a short on, uh, didn't end up well, <laughs> our bad. And uh, Jacoby Myers, Jacoby's always like you. You talked about best ball darling. Actually, I think he's just a darling in general, right? You can yeah, do I a mean, lot worse than having Jacoby Myers as your wide receiver four or five. You know, for some people, probably wide receiver five or six. He's a good flex option, maybe wide receiver three, almost every single week. He just he just catches footballs. Man. Yeah, I mean, well, and listen, I, I do, I. We have to admit, in lineup, it's not the same as in best ball because he, he he has a he has a floor that's good, right? But Jacoby Myers doesn't really offer that high end ceiling very often, you know. So that that that's where in lineup, when you put him in the flex, like it's not a lock that he hits the floor. He he does have a yeah. good floor, but he doesn't really possess most weeks the ceiling that's going to get you in the start nine, start ten, start eleven, even. But where in best ball, you don't give a fuck about that. That That's one of the things about best ball that I think some people don't understand. It's like, oh, well, I just don't set a lineup. Here's my team. We'll figure out what happens. It's not just that. There's a strategy to it. It's not just, all right, here's my team I drafted. I got 30 guys, and then we'll just see what happens. That's not how best ball should be played. And if you do it that way, <laughs> if you win your league, you are the luckiest son of a bitch out there because there's so much strategy to it. And Jacoby Myers in best ball is one of these perfect later targets because – if you construct your roster appropriately, right, you'll have guys that can give you the spike weeks where you don't necessarily need that from a Jacoby Myers. But he's one of these guys that you backfill with that protects you. If you if you took these receivers early, right, which we talked about isn't necessarily the optimal strategy in best ball, but let's say you took a Jefferson, right? Jacoby Myers is one of the backfield guys that helps you because if Justin Jefferson doesn't have the pop week as a dud week, you want some of these consistent guys to help make your floor higher. Yeah. I think the big takeaway when I look at this right now, Adam, 
It was at the time I thought it was pretty sound strategy. And then, you know, we gave all the numbers on consistent weeks and spike weeks and we made the whole spreadsheet and the whole works, right? One of the big things at the time, though, and, and we still talk about it to this day, is it, it's huge, man. You coined the term uh, um, uh, divesting, um, de-risking yourself, right? Jonathan Taylor, I don't think anybody thought was going to have one week and then just fall off the face of the earth. And whether it's injuries or poor play, the offense looks like shit. You you couldn't have told me, like I would have taken that bet if you would have told me, hey, after you know, after five weeks, Jonathan Taylor's outside the RB two territory. Let's <laughs> get the fuck out of here. <laughs> no way, not a but chance. That, yeah, I'm I'm with you. But you know what's fun? Th- that's not just JT. That that's football in general. Like correct. There is just a a risk. When any player, I don't care if you are a wide receiver or running back guy, or if you think running backs get hurt at a bigger risk or a bigger rate, that's maybe true, but it's probably, you probably don't realize how often receivers get hurt too. The point is anybody that puts a helmet on and goes out and plays a full game, week in and week out, in a 17-game season, which is extended now, has a risk to get hurt. And that's part of, in best ball, where, like you said, de-risking one asset into multiple that's an added advantage that people don't even see, right? With Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts is a good example of how different it is from JT and Kyle Pitts, Mike. Let's talk about this, right? JT mm-hmm. probably, like, let's be honest. The offensive line the offense has not been as good as we thought it would be, which ultimately probably, if JT's healthy, hinders him, which we've seen a little bit, right? But he's still so good talent-wise. At the end of the year, if he stays fully healthy, you probably see enough spike weeks and consistent weeks to where he's still a guy he's still you know one of, one of the studs but Kyle Pitts right Kyle Pitt the, the the issue with JT is the injury but with Kyle Pitts he did hurt his ham, hamstring last week but that's not his problem you de-risked it because of injuries or whatever but he is not performing while healthy so you also de-risked what if his situation's bad too and like you said Mike you took three guys at the time which were crusty I mean look at how that trade both of those, <laughs> because if you if you look at the JT trade right now, still like you don't feel good about Antonio Gibson, no. right? Like, but even no. still, you won that trade. No, uh, <laughs> you, see, you look at it, and you go, oh, Antonio Gibson. As you're as reading the names off, I'm getting sick. Like, oh shit, right? But again, like that's where people look at Antonio Gibson. They also had that feeling, and that's why you send it in. I'm like, oh well, I kind of believe in Antonio Gibson. Let's go. I'm not going to say kind of believe. That's selling myself short. I was the biggest Antonio fucking Gibson truth that there is. And I look like an asshole. I look like an absolute asshole. But still looking at it right now, I'm going, hey, this trade didn't work out so bad for me. It's actually a plus. So I think when I kind of look at it all, and and you're talking about it, de-risking yourself, it doesn't matter. It, it, It doesn't matter the position. It really doesn't matter the player because if we go back and we look at everything, okay, Josh Allen, fantastic, okay, <laughs> no no questions. Justin Herbert, good. Patrick Mahomes, good. But the 104 in EDP, Jonathan Taylor, obviously we just touched on him. Joe Burrow has not been good or great. He's been okay. Jamar Chase, again, another one, Jamar Chase. We had a best ball trade that, that we discussed in depth where it was for like Darnell Mooney and two firsts and two seconds. And we're like, you can't, you can't put that many assets in it. 
and I know we got a lot of shit after week one, Adam. You remember? You remember we we're getting the shit, the feedback. Like, do you still want? Uh, of course, do you still want uh, Darno Mooney because <laughs> he did nothing, and Jamar Chase was wide receiver four on the week. But since then, Adam, what has Jamar Chase done? Right, 44, 41, 29, 32. This guy isn't entering your fucking lineup in best ball. Jamar Chase, the number one wide receiver, most people's number one wide receiver in Dynasty. There was the Jeff Justin Jefferson crowd, but you know the argument we always heard was one A one B whatever. Yeah, whatever you want to. Some most people lean Jamar Chase because of Joe Burrow in the offense and and you know Kirk Cousins whatever. Right. But him, Adam, if I told you through five weeks he had one one consistent week and also one spike week, you know number four wide receiver on the week. If I would have told you that, you'd be like, "You're fucking crazy, man! No way!" But here we are. I would and have definitely been no way, yeah. This is a guy everybody loves. Like, we want to shit on Jonathan Taylor, right? Well, we could also do it with Jamar Chase. Um, Kyle Pitts, the number one tight end. Everybody's number one tight end. Right? We already touched on it. One consistent week and then nothing. So it doesn't matter the position. It doesn't really matter outside of, like, the elite, elite quarterbacks. You're going to take L's everywhere else, but if I get just outside of that elite quarterback range, right, Dak Prescott, Trey Lance, Russell Wilson, Wolf. I mean, Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray. I mean, even Jalen Hurts has kind of had some bad weeks where – not bad weeks, but just not the game-changing ones that you were expecting. So Sure, but he's probably still one of the better spike and consistent week guys out there, I'd imagine. Correct, but it it just goes to prove the point that – if you have one asset and you can take one asset in best ball, at least on a contender, right? I'm not advocating for doing this. You don't want to do this. Don't do this shit in a, in a rebuild or productive struggle, okay? You just play it straight up like normal. You just try to get all the value that you can possibly get. You know, everything that we've always preached about rebuilding, continue to do that in, in best ball as well. But on your contending teams, Adam, that shift needs to be for everybody who wants to build a contending roster where it's like, I may have one superstar asset, right? I may have one great asset, but if the opportunity presents itself for me to break this one asset up into three good pieces or four good pieces in some cases, you have to take it. You have to. Unless maybe if it's like a best ball start six. (laughs) I don't even know if that's a fucking thing. (laughs) Please don't make it a thing. (laughs) But if it was... Maybe in that case, you're going like, all right, I need some studs here. But in general, Adam, you know, these start 10s, these start 11s, we see it time after time in all these leagues that we do. Like we have teams that have studs at the top. They have Jonathan Taylor. They got Justin Jefferson. They may have Kyle Pitts. They may have fucking Josh Allen this last week. You know how many teams I saw in best ball that had Josh Allen go for 50, 60 points and still take an L this week? because they're just not as well constructed all the way down a lot. And and it's wild to see. So I think that's the biggest point. Just a quick recap of these trades that didn't end up being so quick. I don't know why I use the word quick, but fuck (laughs) fuck it. Let's go. Adam, what say you, man? How are you feeling about some of your your best ball teams going in, your contending best ball teams? I know I'm, I'm staring at a few right now that I'm looking at going like, Oh, buddy, we might have to work out some deals here. <laughs> Where are sure. you at on your best ball teams? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, you know, what's interesting, Mike, about best ball is because of 
like you talked about, how we kind of had, I guess because we did so many last year. Yes. And really had a... We did horrible at most of them. Well, well, but like, I would say this, right? In my rebuilding, the fact that I was taking, like in rebuilding in best ball last year, because I didn't quite understand, um, and nobody really quite in the leagues that we were in understood exactly how big the dynamics differ in best ball. Yes. Typically, I'm taking the old value in rebuilding, right? So it's like I'm taking the lineup value in rebuilding, which lended much more in my favor on my rebuilds in best ball, right? Because right. people are paying, incre- yeah, people yeah, are paying up dudes, for names yes. because it, that makes sense, right? So like, I'm looking at my rebuilders like, holy shit, this is awesome. But even in best ball, and and we talked out strategy before we played in all these leagues about how different it's going to be. At the time, I thought like I was being very cautious and savvy about not overpaying or consolidating too much. Like all my contenders in best ball last year, which I think was, I don't know, somewhere between six, seven, maybe I think I had maybe three or four contenders. Um, two of them made the semis. One was versus you and I lost to you, but overall my contenders, I, I didn't have a single winner, right? Like I basically had a team that was good enough in the pack, but it didn't have, I think this is something we really have to talk about on this podcast and in general about our teams. Like those teams that I had in best ball, they were good teams. They 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 were solid. But they didn't have something that differentiated that team really that made it a contender, right? That or not just a contender, an elite contender. Something that says this team is different than the rest of the teams out there. That's why my team has an edge here. Like it you know, I, I had good running backs, I had some good tight ends. Good quarterbacks, you know. I, I had some receivers I drafted later because that was our approach that were that were good enough to make weeks. But ultimately, I wasn't one protected enough from injuries, right? And last year we saw so many injuries of the running back position: J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers. And in best ball, if you're not protected or if you're not understanding how important depth is, those things can be catastrophic to your upside week in and week out in best ball. So, like on the contending side. My my teams last year just they weren't quite there. Um, I have a couple of those teams that I'm this year now forced to contend again with that are still in the mix, and, and I've made some moves that now make those teams deeper. They're not none of them are sitting five and zero. Oh, the ones that I were failed was a failed contender or didn't win last year, but mm-hmm. I've learned and and insured some stuff up. So so by and large, I'd say this year, Mike, my contending and rebuilding teams in best ball because of what you and I know and discuss about the best ball landscape, I feel pretty good about most of them. Now, now that doesn't mean all of them, and I'll let you go too, but there's a couple of teams in general I want to talk about of my own, not for me to sit here and talk about my own teams um, so that, you know, Dynasty Degenerates, you can listen to my teams. That's not this. The, the point is, like, I, I want to get into sometimes how you have to look at your situation based on what your build was, whether that's right or wrong, then ultimately assess the market in your league. And now it's like, okay, what do I do now? Because all this information is great, right? Warp data is great. Our market's great. How you tear down is great. But the market of your league and what your team's currently set up as, that plays a, a massive factor that's different than just the general information. So last year, when I'm kind of looking at some of these best ball leagues, right? Um, we had what? We had the uh, the original patron league, the original shit league. 
I went full contender in there. Yeah. Uh, did I win it? No. No. Not even close. Uh, this year, how we doing? Uh, I had to run it back. I'm two and three. <laughs> it sucks. Okay. Uh, the, the first ever one that we did, right? Best balls. The first ever, you know, once. That was our very first one, yeah. I'm rebuilding in that one and in the OG one, yep. Right? Went ahead and did it. Pushed in last year, failed. Didn't win it. Where am I at this year? Three and two. Kind of middle of the road. I'm I'm doing my best to just struggle, bust along. But you just got to eat shit, right? So these are the leagues that I'm in. Um, The other ones uh, I built for whatever reason, uh, a team that doesn't have its 23 draft pick or 22 draft pick and had nothing but youth. And I'm thinking like this team is going to have a window for the next two to three years. Where are we at right now? Two and three. Woof. Not great, buddy. This year, as far as best ball teams that are actually built to compete, right? From everything that I learned from last year, everything that we've been talking about on here, right? So I have um, t- startups this year, patron ones, right? We did the C2C League, uh, Shit Worldwide, Shit 2, Shit Auction, Shit Redux. So these teams I pushed in, Adam, right? I'm in full contender mode. I pushed draft picks in. I've gone uh, asset multiplication. I, I'm not sitting on a lot of studs. I'm going for the the wholesale approach. Everything that I've been preaching. Where are we at? Well, one team's ten and zero. That's the, the auction one, redux, right? Yep. And and I'm I think eight and two, and we're both very high in points for in that league, right? Yep. Both yep. of us. Yep. Uh, the other one, uh, the auction league, the the original auction league, not the greatest, right? Four and six. Okay, sitting in eighth place, still decently high in points for, but it's not been a great week, <laughs> a great year for me. Avin Kamara is is killing me. Uh, two, nine and one, worldwide ten and zero. C two C league eight and two. Yep. Okay, so all these doing much better this time around with our strategy adjustments. Now, are there still things that I need to clean up? Yes. One of the things I've noticed about a lot of these leagues is because we're in so many. We're doing so much content, and the, the week schedule becomes so busy. I'm not as active as I want to be on the waivers. You think best ball, oh, you don't need to be active on the waivers? Bullshit. You it, need to be extremely active on your best ball. Arguably more. Correct. It, it, at least as equal because in, in lineup, if you are if you miss a week, like more often than not, you're going to end up missing a guy that has an opportunity that never gets one. Like you're thinking this guy's going to have an opportunity to crack your lineup, but he never gets one. In best ball – you're not even targeting those guys as much. Every single week, there's somebody weird that has a week, right, and gets usage, and you're like, it's best ball, what the fuck? I, I got to cut three of these guys that have zeros, no chance of playing. Yes. And you pick up enough of those guys, Mike, and you'll churn them over. You'll churn them over. You'll churn them over. And then guess what? You'll land on you know, Greg Dortch, or you'll land on one of these guys that – now, Greg Dortch, I don't know what the rest of his season projects like. But one of the Greg Dorch types will end up having a role for a year. Like last year, think of uh, Khalif Raymond. Like a guy yep. that has no dynasty value. But you picked up for nothing in fab money. <laughs> and he was every week on the field enough that gave you an opportunity for consistent weeks. And I think, Mike, if I'm not mistaken, he hit one spike week. Regardless, I know he made lineups last year in a, a lot of the leagues I was in. So point is... If you don't do that enough, I think your point is if you're not active enough, what's going to happen is you will have even three or five spots, which are not 
properly utilized, which week in and week out is what you need to have shirt up so that you're giving yourself the best chance to win every single week. Because in best ball too, Mike, the buy is such a big deal because in best ball every week is very big variance because everybody's team can do whatever. If you are a buy versus not buy, now you only have to win two weeks versus three. Prime example here for you, right? So I pulled up the one I'm struggling in. And one of the reasons I'm struggling is, is because I'm not doing a very good enough job on the waivers, right? I'm holding on to too many people. Like I'm thinking, hey, we got like 39 roster spots, right? The waiver wire is gross. It's bare. I don't need to pay a whole lot of attention. I'm holding on to too many people I think I have a connection to that I like, right? So I have Kenny, Kenny Wangu on this roster. What's he doing right now? Nothing. Amir Smith-Marset, my Iowa guy. Well, he's on the Bears. Maybe he gets an opportunity at some point. Like, I've seen five weeks of him do nothing. Why is he still on my team? Adam, I'm looking at it. Like, one of the hot ads for this week is Tevin Coleman. Everything that we know, if I would have been paying attention, is the minute Tevin Coleman got called up to the active roster from the 49ers practice squad, he should have been on, like, instead of holding a mere fucking Smith-Marset, I should have had Tevin Coleman. And if right. he would have been on my best ball team, I don't have to start this dude. This is the beauty of best ball. He would have got 24 points for me last week. Right. Adam, he would have made my lineup. I might have actually won a matchup because of Tevin Coleman instead of me being a, a fuckwit and sitting around going like, well, at some point I think Amir Smith-Marset might play. Yeah, because may have an opportunity. Even though he's like the sixth receiver in Chicago on a bad offense. I still like the talent. I'm holding out. Maybe somebody will give me something for him in trade. Nobody's giving me shit for Amir Smith-Marset in trade, Adam. You're in, you're in a rebuild. Are you gonna Are you gonna send me anything for Amir Smith-Marset? No. You're I'm gonna, gonna I'm gonna shit. I'm gonna tell you to take him out of the deal where you try to send me, where you you act like he's valuable to me. I'm gonna be like, hey, take him out. Here's yes. the counter. He's gone, and you can keep him, and I'll take something different. It. it this is what I, when I'm looking at, okay, great. I made this adjustment. We made this adjustment together. And we, we've been talking to you, the dynasty degenerates about it, about de-risking yourself and asset multiplication and be okay taking the one asset and breaking it up into three. But the one thing I can definitely tell you when I'm looking at these contenders, if I'm being completely objective and I've thought about it for a while is, is Mike get in there and start really looking at the bottom of your rosters and these guys who are just zeros. I don't give a shit what your previous thoughts were on Hunter Long. Why the hell is he still on your team? Because there has to be somebody out there, even if you swing and miss, swing and miss every single week because the one time you hit Tevin, Tevin Coleman, you're going to thank yourself. The one time you get some nobody in there, who just happened to get an opportunity, who goes in and scores two touchdowns or three touchdowns, whatever it may be, when he enters your lineup and you get a W or makes that, you know, your points for even better and helps your, your position in the playoffs. So maybe you get that first round by, or maybe you get the lower seed where you have less opportunity to get knocked off by another real strong, strong contender. You're going to thank yourself. And, and that for well, me, Adam, that, that is my biggest thing on my best ball contenders that I need to get better at. I've already done a good job of of taking my superstars 
and going like they're on the trade block. Right. What, what what three assets can you send me back? Can I still exploit? But the, this is the the area right now that I'm not doing a good job. Well, Mike, Mike. So let me give you. Um, you know, I, I have on some teams similar problems. Um, one thing I'll say though, it, it's an, some teams I I have not done a good enough job of being like you know what, get a couple of these guys that you still want to hold on to out now. My problem was for me, like right, Hunter Long was a a great example. You just use that name, so I decided, all right, Hunter Long needs to go. But there was a part of me that says, like, I don't want to quit Hunter Long completely. Yeah. So then, from a portfolio perspective, Mike, what I did is I cut about half, right, on contenders, rebuilders. I'm like, I don't want to keep Hunter Long. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm, why would I not keep Hunter Long on rebuilders? He doesn't sure, score me pretty- points. I can fucking <laughs> hopefully cash in on him even though he probably will never cash but in in my contenders i was like all right i'm gonna cut half because i don't want to cut him all the way on contenders because what if gaseki gets hurt and this is before Tua goes down it's like maybe he becomes a thing like i can't quit him entirely so guess what happens so then now i'll tell you why this is such a big point you just made so i i did add tevin coleman on one of my best ball leagues and mike you know what's funny is that's the league i'd cut hunter long and i'd cut all these guys and here, here's what i'll tell you what's so great about doing it and why I, I need to do it in every one of my leagues tonight before i go to bed and, and it's funny you talk about this because mike here, here's the thing once you do it the best part is actually getting it over with because now here's what happens you don't think about now nah, i got to keep hunter long now you have mm-hmm. tevin coleman so here's the thing. If Tevin Coleman does shit next week, he is fucking gone, and that's a complete spot that just is continuously churn, churned over. So my bottom six spots are not dynasty value guys. They're only redraft guys. And the beauty of that is every single week, you don't have a bias on his future's bright. You just say, you know what? His opportunity sucks. He's hurt. Someone's back. He's gone. And you do that enough, there's a couple things that happen, Mike. One... You give yourself more shots of the dartboard every week. But two, what's crazy is Tevin Coleman's probably not the best example, but hell, it's not impossible for him. But but if you do that enough, what's going to happen is one, two, maybe even three of those guys, now you're you're in a different position where they're not even in consideration because maybe they earn a full-time role. Maybe they earn a role that's good enough that now they're not the cut line. Now... I'm looking at other guys that I had issues with because here's the thing. If you don't do that, right, as attrition happens, and and I want to segue this, Mike, I think it's a good segue into a problem that a lot of people have, and I'll give you a bad, a bad luck example of one of my real teams that was absolutely ridiculous that it, it now it makes what you just talked about plus this conundrum like I am in a spot where I'll be honest, like Scott talked in his podcast, like I don't have all the answers sometimes. This is one of these, Mike, and I think like I want to talk this through to tell you one, Mike and I are not perfect. We we are we we have a lot of good ideas, we have a lot of things we do well, but by no means is our portfolio all Oh, and five and five and oh, <laughs> it's oh. not the way it is. Right. I, I got, I got some fucking doozies in here that I just wolf. But, but let me wolf. tell you, Mike, real quick, like in my opinion, what was the most ridiculous, strongest, uh, best ball team I had. All right. So like, let me just give you, uh, what currently made my lineup this last week. 
So it's a start 12. Geno Smith, Kenneth Walker, Joe Mixon, Alan Lazar, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Mark Andrews, Adam Troutman, Cole fucking Komet, Michael Pittman, George Kittle, Lamar Jackson. Bench now mm. has Kenny Pickett, Brandon Ayuk, Jerry Judy, Cam Akers, Drake London, A.J. Dillon, Amon Ross St. Brown, Sky Moore not playing any snaps, right? Elijah Moore doing dick all. Albert Okwebenam, who fucking blows, man, right? <laughs> He's not doing Deont- nothing. Now, now, here's where it gets interesting, Mike, right? I just named you everything that you started hearing there from my bench, right? Kenny Pickett and then Brandon Ayuk all the way down through Elijah, Albert Okwebenam. That's now one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's ten guys that before the season, Mike, you're saying these guys could what do something. Team. Right. Yep. Now that's ten guys on my bench that didn't do shit last week. But now here's where my conundrum is, Mike. You ready for this? Yeah. DeAndre Swift out. Mm. Javante Williams out for the year. Traylon Burks, short term IR. Trey Lance, out for the year. Jahan Dotson out last week. Rashad Bateman out last week. Hunter Long, one of the teams I decided not to cut him because it's like my team's so good I can keep Hunter Long on this team. Trey McBride zero and Zamir White negative. Now, Mike, now, now, Mike, think about how good that team is, right? Like, yes. think about how fucking yes. ridiculous that team is. Now, here's what I want to tell you: that team is three and two. And you ain't feeling great about it. Honestly, I feel very good about it, but I don't feel great about it, right? Like, mm-hmm. I still feel like it's good. But he- he- here is the issue in the market dynamics that I think we have to talk about sometimes. So this is one of these leagues, Mike. So so you're probably sitting at home thinking, like, what kind of clowns are you playing with? Well, I'll tell you what happened in this league. I went absolute one of these, like, Mike, you've seen me do it. Rebuilders that it's like that team could have been good, but he just nuked it. Like that made no sense. That guy's an idiot. Yeah. But then I either draft or leverage picks to do something like this. Now this is probably the extreme version, but the point is it was a rebuild last year that I did this. Now here's the problem. A lot of the teams in this league, Mike are either contenders or, or pretenders, right? So, so what happens now is there's essentially 10 teams that are trying to win. And in best ball, there's more of a reason to tell yourself you can win because any week, what could happen? I have all these guys that could score, you know, and there's, mm-hmm. and there's variance too. So what happens now, Mike, if 10 teams want to contend, that means you have two teams that are actually even willing to talk about Trey Lance, Javante Williams, Deandre Swift, Traylon Burks, John Dotson, Rashad Bateman, right? So, so I just named to you, one, two, three, four, five, six guys that have legitimate dynasty value, Mike. Top ten, top eight probably startup picks. But they have dynasty value. But this market, the market shit doesn't matter if I tell you that. Because what does my league dynamic say? There's no one that's willing to take them on. And the two teams that are rebuilding are so bad on the contending side. They're, they're all picks, so, so I don't have the ability to say, here, here's my Javante Williams. Here's my Trey Lance. Like, give me your shitty quarterback because you don't have a quarterback or you don't have anyone that's starting, right? So yeah. what, what, what do I have to do here? And, and the reason I'm telling you that is not to go victim and act like I'm, 
you know, this whole oh, ho-hum, woe is me. It, it's more to talk about strategy and what happens in a situation like this. You, you, you're hitting it on the head, man, because you know how many times I pulled up one of these leagues. Uh, like, like I just listed off all the ones where I went full contender, right? And, and, and specifically the, the auction league where I'm like, man, what, this team's four and six. Jesus, like I have the worst luck because if I listed off the players again, you'd be like, damn, this was a squad. Right. But, you know, I have an injury here. I have an injury there. I have a guy underperformed this week. I play a really tough matchup. Like I just can't consistently. Like it's just bad luck. And you don't know how many times I look at the league going like, where are the moves can I make? Can I, can I possibly pit? I, I've already pushed everything in. Right. So I'm not. I can't, uh, I, I can't sell off Adam, right? When you've pushed all your picks in, you, you can't sell off, right? Because the guy who's holding your pick goes, oh, yeah, <laughs> I've been that guy. You want I've this back here. Going, I need, you to, get, oh, I need yeah. you to assume the position. Yeah, you, you can't do that. So I'm looking at teams like yours. You're on a rebuilder, a productive struggle, just hoarding assets. But you don't know how many times I've looked at your team going like, Adam would be the perfect guy to trade with. Adam's going to be the perfect guy because I know he's on a rebuild. Let me pull up his team. And I, but I I've already sent. Yeah. I start at the top and I go, Nope, 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 Nope. Fuck. You don't have one single damn asset that fits my build that I would want. And, and it's not because you don't have good assets on your team, Adam, but you have draft picks or you have, what do you have? Rookies. Well, but that's what I'm guys. And that's strategic, ascending. right? Because what I've done is anybody that has a pulse that makes sense in best ball, I am purposefully trying to move them to teams at a at at least a even or above average trade win for myself, not just for the the sake of doing that to get all the mm-hmm. points off my best ball team. So I am securing one hundred one, or unless some fucking dumpster fire actually found a way one hundred two, right? And, and then that that does pose a problem for you in that situation where Adam will trade with me, but what the hell do I want from his team? Because his first don't do nothing. Plus, he doesn't want to move his first to me. And then all his assets aren't giving me replacement level points. So what's the point? The only thing I can think of, and this is so antithetical to everything we do and talk about, but it might be the right play. So let's talk it through here. You and I both have assets on those teams that have taken value hits. And generally, both of us are like, I'm not selling at a discount. I'm not selling at the the bottom, right? I'll just ride this out till I die. Sure. But because of the league dynamics and just the way you are, mm-hmm. just the way everything is set up, your team, the way the league is, the way the league market is, do you think because in a best ball league, I don't know if I could do this in a lineup. I, d- I honestly don't think I could. But in a best ball league, just because you and I both kind of know the way best ball works and the way random shit seems to happen and like random players have these spike weeks that come out of nowhere. Do you almost take it at a loss? Even if it is the super crusty gross, like kind of what we were talking about with those initial trades that I made earlier where I got dunked on, I got absolutely blasted on Twitter for them. Do you think maybe you do that now? So a good example for me personally is like, you know, Mac Jones has been hurt. I love Mac Jones. Why would I sell Mac Jones right now at a at a value loss? Right, people are like, "Oh, he's out," and you know, you know sure. he's got the ankle, and wow, I don't know when he's coming back. Blah blah blah. Right. 
Maybe the play is to sell Mac Jones. Maybe the play is to sell Mac Jones to another guy, and it may not be a rebuilder. It may not be you because you, you'd be interested in Mac Jones, but you really don't have anything that you can offer me that actually helps, right? All your old guys are gone. All your, your random like dart throw kind of guys are gone. But maybe you go to another contender, another competitor who's going like, oh, I could take on Mac Jones. I like Mac Jones. If Mike's going to give me a discount on Mac Jones, I'd be interested in Mac Jones. Maybe that's the edge that we should be looking for in these kind of leagues. Like, so you, you had mentioned Traylon. Do you want to sell Traylon right now? Fuck no. Right? You know, rookie year. Now he's on IR. His value's at, at some of the lowest that you're ever going to see. But Adam, maybe you find that one person in your league who goes like, I'll take on Traylon. I believe in him. Adam's giving me a discount. I'll give you Jacoby Myers and something. Right. And well, maybe the play is you go for some of that super crusty shit and you just you, you bite the bullet and you take it because league market, league dynamics are dictating that's what you have to do. Well, okay, so so I'm glad we got to this point because you, you and I are on the same page, but I, I want you to actually – I'm going to read in Dynasty Degenerates. This is not your team, but I, I want this to be something that you think about because I, I'm going to actually pose two different viewpoints, what you should do and what you should do on the other side, a contender and rebuild. And then also some things I'm going to try to do in this league and what my thought process is moving forward. And also something I've actually learned today, thinking about what I want to do for this podcast, which is so great. It's helping you from the information I learned, but I only learned it thinking about my teams and how I'm going to present stuff to you. I wouldn't even have found this and figured this out. So I'm like, think about this. When I tell you the team of the two guys that are rebuilding and actually willing to talk, any of those guys, you are going to vomit in your mouth because they're so bad. Like, I'm telling you, you'll be shocked. So <laughs> you're right. looking at, you ready for this? Let's Ran- go. Randall Cobb, McCole Hardman, Robert Tanya, Philip Lindsay, Terrace Marshall, uh, Justin Jackson, KJ Hamler, Antonio Brown, retired from football. <laughs> Still on the team. Marlon Mack, Jordan Love, Mitch Trubisky, Jacob Eason, Kyle Trask, Sam Howe, Salvin Ahmed, uh, Gus Edwards on the pup, uh, Ty Chandler on IR and not doing anything for him, Calvin Ridley, Trey McKitty, Jack Doyle, Brevin Jordan. Mm. Like Ugh. literally, Mike, now, now I want you to think about that in Dynasty Degenerates Think about that because here's the thing, right? There, There is not a player there, really, Mike, when I read you that team, that says to me, like, even I'll get crazy crusty, like some of those trades you started with to bring it back full circle. Like, I, I'll do it. I will bite the bullet. I'm, I am not pride above biting the bullet. I just want you to understand that, like, this is a rare, rare situation. I want you to understand that, too, Dynasty Degenerates, thinking about this, but... The reason I actually wanted to talk about this one out with everybody is the the other team that's that's O and five is a very similar build. Um, actually, mm-hmm. actually, that guy that I just read you, uh, his team scored one forty. The other guy that's O and five, he scored one hundred five. So let me just explain <laughs> to you that it's, it's even worse. <laughs> it, it, it's no different for damn sure, right? So the point here is this, Mike. Right. So now I want you to think about once again. My team. I'm going to read this to you, and I want you to think about startup ADP from the offseason and think about how many of the guys check the boxes on this team. All right? Mm-hmm. 
Geno Smith actually doesn't check the box, but he's making my lineup, right? Kenneth Walker, one. Yep. Joe Mixon, two. Alan Lazard. We count him or no? I'd count him because he was still within that top 15 range. Okay. Right. So, so that's three. George Pickens, four. Deontay Johnson, mm-hmm. five. Mark Andrews, six. Troutman probably doesn't count, right? No. Okay. Komet. Yes. Seven. Michael Pittman. Yep. Eight. George Kittle. Mm-hmm. Nine. Lamar, 10. Kenny Pickett? Yep. 11. Brandon Ayuk, 12. Judy, 13. Akers, 14. London, 15. Dylan, 16. Amon Ross, 17. Sky Moore, 18. Elijah Moore, 19. Albert Equabanam, 20. DeAndre Swift, 21. Javante Williams, 22. Traylon Burks, 23. Trey Lance, 24. Uh, John Dotson, 25. Rashad Bateman, 26. Trey McBride, 27. Mike, I just named you 27 guys that we would have told you in best ball are guaranteed to be someone that matters for your team, whether it's trading or points in your lineup. Now, here's why I wanted to do that. Not to roster bait and tell you my team's so great. I wanted to do that to tell you that this, Mike, we talk a lot, and one thing I've actually shifted a little bit based on this information is this. Best ball has a lot of things that can go right or wrong for you throughout the course of the season because you get this amount of injuries like you in a lot of normal leagues you'll probably be able to pivot for something gross right but the point is if 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 you were told anybody that you can get 27 of the top 15 16 startup picks in best ball like you and I both would have said you have no chance to lose no you're guaranteed locked right? in championship mike, mike this team has lost 2 weeks in a row and mm-hmm. the point the reason i make the point is this i'm not saying this team is sunk i actually think that even losing Lance and losing Williams, some of these young guys come back. And then as here, here's, here's what I'll say for this team, my actionable advice is this. I clearly can, I've told you that I can't make a move today, right? But what I'm going to do is, is Hunter Long is gone. Zamir White is gone. All these guys that are zeros are gone. That's going to be churnable, right? And then the seven guys that have dynasty value, eventually some of these contenders will be forced to realize they're not. Then I have to, at that point, strike and move for crusty shit to make sure as the playoffs approach, my team has little to no zeros, as minimal you're, as possible. Yeah. So, you're so, optimizing yourself for the playoff run. For correct. Sure. So, so, so that is honestly based on what I'm telling you with my league settings, what I've learned and what I need to do. But the, what I'm going to tell you is this, Mike. Two things, contending and rebuilding. One and two. If you are rebuilding in best ball, I don't care what the team looks like, you target their first. And if you can convince them that it's a late first, you fucking smash it. And you smash it today. Because you mm-hmm. do not understand, if you have not played enough best ball, this type of variance exists. This is the extreme version, but this proves that even some of the, t- the teams you look at that are great, they're not without, they're, they're not without like a, a reasonable injury or two or five from being not the 112. And secondly, Mike, I would say this. If you're looking at your team and you think you're a contender and you're not sure in best ball, I wouldn't move your first today for just to do it. Like I would actually yeah. think about seriously keeping that first to the point where, okay, now I'm definitely in the playoffs. Now I'll move the first for a couple pieces. But here's the thing, Mike, right? If you move a 23 first and you think your team's a contender, right? Because th- this, this team showed it to me today. If I say I'm a contender, my team looks good. It looks better than everybody else. 
let's say I move my 23 first in the offseason or at like week one. Let's even say I, I get a win, dynasty win. Let's say I get three pieces, Alvin Kamara, Jacoby Myers, and a give me another receiver. I don't know, Jahan Dotson. Like that, that, that's a, such a smash, right? I mean, that's a ridiculous smash. Mm-hmm. But if you get six injuries, your 23 first is now early. If they're serious, if you have three or four long-term injuries, you're going to now be forced to do crusty moves. You don't have your first to play with. And if you end up missing the playoffs, now what? See, this is where I've learned and what we've walked through today is that some of the failed contender problems actually equate from not having your pick. Because now what you do is you force these crusty, crusty moves, which can help you win right now. But we all know that there's no dynasty value in all those guys. So every year you're pushing forward this clock like the Rams are, right? What do we see with the Rams in real-time football? They won, but what, what do we see? They use all they haven't drafted a guy since Jared Goff. Their offensive line sucks. They're paying all these guys that are older. Their time is up. Now what yeah. do they have to do? The rebuild's so much harder. And in best ball, the rebuild is longer at times if you've done that because now you have 20 spots to fill. Because you can't just fill nine and have a good starting roster. You have to fill the whole damn team. So the first, I think at this point, what I've learned is this. If you have a team that's ridiculous mob squad and you want to go ahead and send it in, not a horrible play. But understand that if this team can fail this early, I'm not saying it's failed, but if this team could be three and two this early in the season, you don't have a team that is foolproof to win without injuries and, and variance. It's just not, it doesn't exist in best ball. So one of the things I will say too is, uh, like we've kind of all been there, where you just come off a championship, and you can't really rebuild the way you want to. If you just came off a championship and winning money, and you want to push every pick that you have in for the next three years, by all means, go for it. Because you're still ahead money wise. Yeah, there's nothing more liberating than than having the ability. Like I, if I win again, great. If I don't, I don't give a shit. Like we're good. I'm playing with house money here. I will say this. One of the things, and this is why I love having Scott on the destination Devi team officially, like him being here now, instead of me just stalking him on Twitter and following everything he's doing on his Patreon lurking is, is the ideas and the stuff that he does in lineup leagues. There's some things that I can take away for best ball leagues and also apply it there. And one of the big things is, is liquidity. And when he talks about yeah. it, and I know when we went on his podcast and talked about it, he kind of asked us, neither one of us, I don't think we're there at the point where we're like, man, I want to have all these thirds. I want to have all these seconds. I, you know, I want to hold on to my first. We're more in that mindset of, man, if you got it and you can, you know, if, if somebody's going to sell me a guy I like, like Antonio Gibson for what I think is going to be my late first, I'm doing it every time. That's not the play anymore. What I will say, Adam, is if you can pull off one of these deals where you send what you think is probably going to be a late first for multiple pieces, like like shittier pieces where people don't look as high on, and you can get multiple shots at the dark board, that is probably still a decent enough play. But this one-for-one one stuff anymore, I'm not going to be doing going forward unless it's one of those rare cases where I'm coming off a championship, then I'm going to be more, a little bit more risky. It's like, I I don't care. It's house money. But I will say this, a a few things for me, Adam, I want to also start in, in, in applying this 
it doesn't matter how deep the rosters are, right? Like I've made all these leagues that are 40, 40 deep. One of the things that I need to start doing more is every single trade that I make, right? We're making these micro moves all through the off season. We make fun of people and we laugh when it happens, but start asking for fab. And and for me, I've always kind of just thought like, oh, five fab, who gives a shit, right? Five fab, five fab, five fab. Adam, if I've got another 30, 40, $50 worth of fab on a $100 budget to play with through all these microtransactions on these contending teams, do you know how big of an advantage it is? Once I get over the fact of holding on to Kenny and Wangu and Hunter Long and Amir Smith Marset and all these guys where I think maybe Massive they'll do talk. something. Massive Chico. All these, Mike, 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 all these guys, right? Can I, I'll give you, you know what? Let me give you a live time example of this exact same leak that I'm talking to you about right now. It's funny that you're talking about this. The guy that won last year, not out of strategy, out of not being active, not understanding how important it was to add these baseline guys in the regular season, he ended up having a full fab budget at the playoffs. Guess what Huge. happened? Guess what happened? <laughs> What's funny is it wasn't by design, but Mike, so so he had every single week, his ad was massive. Braxton Berrios the one week. Tyler Huntley the one week. Literally, he took what was a team that was in the mix, absolutely based on the league last year in its inaugural year, a team that was a playoff contender. Yeah. But when you look at it, you're not going to say that team's definitely the one that's going to win. No way you look. you and I look at it and say that. Three weeks in a row, three to four people in and out of the lineup every single week on the waiver wire, having the most money to have the hammer to get the premier guy, and that player, one of those four, won him the week every single fucking week to get the championship. Like, Crazy, man. think about it. Sometimes it doesn't pay off, but even this year, right? So what we can look back towards this year. I did it a lot in some other leagues. I wish I had more fab so I can continue doing it every single week is against my other contenders. I can kind of look and see what their budget is, but think about like the quarterback position, right? We saw it last year with, uh, well, you Josh did it with, Johnson. you did it with Davis mills the one week. I did it with Davis mills last year. But oh, Josh Johnson was of, one. He, he added too. Yeah. Think about, uh, this year so far, right? You could, you could pick up uh Teddy Bridgewater. Well, who's on the right? wire this week? PJ Walker. It's going to be PJ Walker, right? right? PJ Walker is going to be out there and you can always just have that ability to big dick the rest of your league every single time that you wanted to <laughs> every single week, just by keeping this idea of fab, like stop using it in the off season, stop doing all this bullshit. You know, like your guy, you're talking about your guy, you make the playoffs. And if you still got your full budget or you you've made some trades where you've gotten extra fab, just yeah, you have more than the rest laugh, of the league, right? You have that ability to, you know, the rebuilders aren't picking up. If this is a, if this is the PJ Walker thing, right? If this is in the playoffs, Adam, do you think rebuilders are out there picking up PJ Walker? Like there, there might be one or two who just want to be like a, a uh, head and like, I, hey, I, want to, I want to keep it. I want to keep them away from the contenders. You know, well, I just want to screw this guy over. But no, you know what, Mike? This actually depends on what you did with your league. If the league is a tradable in the playoffs, absolutely. Because now you can say, I get them, and now I can control the yes. bidding war to the teams that are yeah. playing, right? 
if, if you it's, needed a quarterback, you got to come to me. I got extra. Yeah, because I got all the money I've been rebuilding. I've been sitting on it. So now here, I'd control what pick I get and who wants to pay it, right? Outside of that scenario, if it's a trade deadline, fuck no. Who, why would you add P.J. Walker in that scenario <laughs> or whoever, sure. you know? I, I think that is one of the things that I'm going to keep doing uh, more of is be more cognizant of my picks, pushing in for best ball specifically on my contenders, and also with the fab. Right, because the fab ties in with the the churning of the bottom of the rosters. Again, all things that I need to get better at. Keep applying this, what we talked about at the beginning of the show, taking one asset and breaking up into multiple pieces. That is working out very well for the most part. But some of the areas that I'm still struggling in that we have talked about here with league dynamics and the way the market is within your league, the way things are going, is the stuff that I can control as far as roster construction at the bottom of your roster. Now, some of these teams, Adam, like the, the one that you were just talking about, the one that I had mentioned earlier, I think if we'd been doing this from week one with the roster churning, the fab, and the picking guys up, it doesn't really matter that you suffered those injuries or it doesn't really matter that DeAndre Swift is out or, or Trey Lance is gone. If you're constantly churning the bottom of your roster – you're constantly kind of finding some of these guys who can plug in, even if it's for one week and fill a hole. You can, you can at the very least, tread water. I, I would guarantee that, Adam, if you did it from week one, I'm not going to say you'd be undefeated, but I guarantee you'd probably be four and one, and you'd be looking at your team going, yeah, we're just fine. Well, <laughs> we're well, just fine. DeAndre Swift's coming back and blah, blah, blah. Well, like, well, well, you, you, I don't you, have to trade this guy. I don't need to sell Javante. I don't need to sell Trey Lance if I don't want to. Well, well, I think here's the thing, right? I think by and large, like in a standard, the reason I wanted to use this as an example, and, and we, uh, we'll, we'll use this to get out of here too. But, okay, by and large, I would say you're probably right. But I would say the, the, the reason I use this example is to prove an extreme point because, Mike, the guys that make the cut line, like the guys that I can actually cut this this on this team, Samir White, Hunter Long, LaVisca Chenault. Mm-hmm. Mike, if I cut three guys and get three waiver wire guys, that's not fixing this team for those two weeks, right? Now, yes. this team, I think, is still fine long term. But the point is, this is one of those extreme cases where I got seven, Mike, I got seven injured players that are dynasty values. We know, we've talked about this at length on this show, seven injured players, That that is... If you have seven zeros, forget injured players for a second. Seven zeros on your team, you've rostered too many zeros. Yeah, right. For sure. And, and and now this is why. Let me let me end with this. It's a good point here because this is where I think knowing your league is is a big deal. Because Mike, one thing I've noticed outside of guys that listen to us, we know that are listening to us or Dynasty Sharps, Ray type people, people listening to him. In best ball, what I've really noticed, and we, we noticed this in the OG League last year, right? People are not quick in best ball to tank. There's something about the, the, the way that league is played because everybody has 30 shots every week. They want to see themselves fail before they tank. I think that's becoming more of the common thing. I'm not saying people won't admittedly right away say I'm going to direction rebuild, but more often than not in those leagues, Teams want to see themselves after the startup tank. Like they want to see it actively happen before they decide to tank their team. And the reason I want you to think about that is if you know in your league 
that only a couple teams are rebuilding. Three, maybe, right? And and, and the options with them to trade are going to be thin, few and far between. If you make a move, Mike, let's even say it's a dynasty win. So let's say, like, like, like you talked about, if you move your 23 first for multiple pieces, even if they're crustier guys, that's a, that's a dynasty win in best ball, right? Here, here's the problem. If you know this di- if you know this dynamic in your league, and you do that, and they're all aging assets. If your team has a lot of these aging assets, and you have five, six injuries, seven injuries, you don't have the older injured players don't offer anything to the rebuilders. What, what I just told you here, Mike, this is the extreme version of I, DeAndre Swift. All these guys are young enough to offer value to other teams that are rebuilding, right? Swift, Javante, Trey Lance, all these guys. If you had Kamara, Cooks, I don't know, Lazard, and, and you had those guys get hurt, rebuilders are not looking at those guys and saying, yeah, let me get them guys. I'll take them guys for a future, right? And the reason I want you to think about this is if you push your first in too too soon, I'm not saying you can't at all. I'm just saying to be cognizant of the fact that if in best ball you push your first in early in the year, bye weeks will happen. Attrition will happen. Variance will happen. And and you may not even – you may have built your team correctly, and now all of a sudden you're like, I have an old team. My options to trade are limited. I don't have my first and you're sitting in a bad spot. See, see the reason I'm using this mic is an extreme version. I can probably fix this. I think this team can still win the thing, but the point is there are teams that are nowhere near built as good as this that pushed in their first, possibly two firsts. Mike, you are looking at right now, if you did that, like you are looking at the biggest uphill battle you've ever seen. And, and the, the whole takeaway from me at least is that if you're going to move your first, like you said, you need to make sure you're getting multiple pieces, I would say. The, if you're using multiple really good picks on one player, that's a, that is not the way to go in best ball. And ultimately, I would be very careful about using your firsts too soon because you don't know what can happen with injuries and variants and guys that just underperform. It just, it, it's because of the way best ball works, it, I think it's something that you have to really think about moving forward. And honestly, I would not have given this advice without seriously looking at a bunch of my teams today. And going, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, exactly, shit. exactly. Oh, shit. Not in a good way, in a bad way with some of my teams, right. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of them I'm, I'm looking at going, oh, this is great. I mean, And don't get me wrong, much... we, we, we both have teams that are undefeated. It's not saying that we don't have yes. teams that are good, but the point is there's a risk when you do this. Much better than last year, right? But this is what it's about, right? We want to keep this progression going. And next year when we look at our teams, right, I want to look at the startups for best ball that I did this year and go like, what are you doing, man? Come on. The same way that I look at my team from last year, the ones that I listed off now, like where they're at, the contenders, I'm going, oh, man, if I only knew what I know now back then, like what I could have changed and the direction that I could have sent this thing. Right. Because – the biggest part about best ball, Adam, and we'll keep preaching it, is there's still a massive disconnect between most people who play best ball and the people who really play best ball. Okay. Oh, 100%. We are, we are, we are learning more and more, it seems like, every single week how to best construct and set your best ball teams up for a win. And if you can continue to stay ahead of everybody else before they actually catch up, 
you're going to print money at some point, right? If we took all the stuff that we're talking about now and all the stuff that we learned from last year and we were to apply it to every single league, Adam, I guarantee you most of those leagues would have, you know, only one loss at the most on some of them, right? And it doesn't matter. By and large, yeah, for sure. It doesn't matter really the amount of variance. Like you'd have to be extremely unlucky. You'd have to have Dak and Lance and you know like Mac Jones and and you know all these guys. It could happen, Mike. Mike, right? but that's the crazy part. I, I'm yes. with you. You're you're correct. Still, don't get don't Dynasty Degenerates. Don't get me wrong. Mike is correct. But there's also like think about that for a second. Think about all the names you just mentioned at quarterback. Not to yes. mention running back and receiver. Mike, we're going into week six. Yep. I mean, who knows what the hell's going to happen? Tua may not play again this year. There's so but, many injuries that are out there. But think about that. Even if you got the extremely unlucky at the quarterback position, right? Dak, Lance, Mac Jones, and Tua. And you're like, hey, I got four quarterbacks. We're good. Adam, if you've done all the things that we've talked about, you had the fab. So you're out there getting Teddy Bridgewater. P.J. Walkers. Until you're getting you, P.J. Yeah, Walker. Sure. You're getting the Bailey Zappies. You know, you're like, hey, Max down. I know he's the number two, but just in case, here we go. You're Last year's Tyler awesome. Huntley and uh, Josh Johnson, right? You're also you have all your draft picks, and you probably have extras laying around. You have the liquidity, like Scott Connor's talking about, right? Correct. So when Zamir White was doing his shit in the preseason, you were selling them for multiple thirds, right? Maybe you didn't get a second, but you're selling for multiple thirds, and you're like, I don't think this is going to be a piece. I know like third string running backs, second string running backs don't carry a lot of value in best ball. These aren't the kind of assets that I want to be taking up roster spots. He's more valuable to me if I put it into a liquid type asset. So now you're looking at multiple draft picks where you can go out and, you know, maybe after week one or week two, you're going like, I'll give you two thirds for Geno Smith. How many people out there weren't taking two thirds for Geno Smith after week one? Right. Not a lot. They'd right. be like, oh, yeah, we're taking this in RB. These are the kind of things I'm talking about where if you apply them, you can mitigate a lot of the variance. So No, no, no doubt. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Best ball still, we we have so many of the strategy pieces that are gonna help you navigate troubled waters. The point is though, that I'm making here yes. is that that can work to an extent and it can absolutely be the difference of winning and losing your league. But understand that some of these squads that you think are really good relative to the rest of the league, when you look at week one, between variants and injuries, you have no idea how crazy it could be at week <laughs> six. Happens. So yes, just if you're going to move that first in, like just understand that even if you're saying this team is so ready, that first is going to be late. It's no lock. It is no lock that it's that, that that is a fact. So just understand that, my best advice would be if you can form a contender and wait to make sure you don't have all this attrition happen, hold that pick. Now, obviously have common sense. If someone's going to let you send your first for some fucking crazy steal, you still do it. Just understand that there's an inherent risk of not having your pick and being fucked. I love it, man. We got to get Scott on the show too because every time we get him on, he makes you think even more and unlocks even more. But this has been a hell of a discussion. Credit to him, man. Credit to him. His podcast I listened to finished up today, and it made me think about things about what I wanted to talk about on here, and that's ultimately what led me to this. Honestly, God, that's part of what happens, and I I love the dynamic we have together. Really, I do. It's huge, man. 
I think that's going to do it for us. We're going to bounce out of here. I don't even know how long we went, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I just love talking Dynasty. I love talking best ball. And I love trying to bring the most actionable content we can to you, the Dynasty Degenerates. If you stuck with us this long, thank you. Thank you so much. If you could do us a huge favor, rate and review the Destination Debbie podcast feed. Helps everybody out at Destination Debbie, not just us, but all the great content creators that we have. And, of course, sign up for the damn newsletter. Come on. I feel like I say it every week. Sign up for the newsletter. There's so much good stuff in there. Adam, take us out of here, buddy. That's going to do it. We appreciate you tapping in, Dynasty Degenerates, for another week. Uh, Hopefully this gave you some actionable advice. Think about that on your best ball rosters. What are you going to do if you have these injuries? How do you get out of some of these conundrums? Hopefully you've kept your pick. And just remember, when your league mates are playing chess... Play 40 chess. That's going to do it. We're going to bounce out of here. We'll see you back here. Same time, same place next week. Peace. Peace.